Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to the Play On Podcast with your gracious hosts, myself, Cal Sirius, and Man Like. Ash, what's happening, guys? What's happening indeed? You might have just heard me pouring a nice cup of tea. It's a Sunday afternoon, and this is very refreshing for me. I've got to stick your little finger out when you're you sipping your tea, you know. Austin Powers, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, everything good with you, Ash? Yeah, I'm all right, man. You know me, just, just here. You day are, you day are, you day are. I like that. I like that. One thing that is definitely day are is your fantasy football team. Talk to me. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously we have the BRB league, um, uh, and it's a really like it's a really tight league. There's a lot of good managers in there, um, and I managed to get manager of the week for game week 21. Um, Gerard Bowen scored two goals against Norwich. Um, also got a clean sheet with Fabianski. Um, and yeah, I got 93 points and managed to be manager of the week. So yeah, just wanted to talk on it, man. <laughs> just wanted Come to on. talk on it. Come um, on now. 93 points. Now that is yeah. no mean feat because this is a time where loads of games are being postponed due to COVID. Mm. It's been really hard to to maintain 11 players in your team and players on the bench mm. while keeping an eye on the fixtures and thinking about what games might possibly postpone. The, um, but somehow you've managed to do it. Did you use any chips or how did you do it? Man, 93 points, that's a serious total. No, I just like put a lot of stock in West Ham's double game week. So I brought in Fabianski, Bowen and Antonio. Um, and those three players alone got me 60 points um, with, Bo- with Bowen as my captain. So if you take those three points, <laughs> those three out, I'd be a lot further down the table. Um, and I think that's just what's going on, because even now we've got a double game week. So far this week hasn't gone very well for me. Um, my captain didn't play. A lot of like, late clean sheets went for me. Um that's the nature of the game so you could be manager of the week one week and you could be the wooden spoon the next week so when you're up you have to let the world know you're up but just keep focusing on on the, on the next weeks shout out to ben as well um we're speaking to him we're speaking to him in a week and he decided to not go for like heavy double game week players he just went for the man city legend that is kevin de Bruyne, and obviously he delivered good points for him so now it's a really good league like i'm actually just looking at the league right now it's so tight um some really, really good players in there. Um, obviously, we had uh, Flex on as well. Um, he's third at the moment. Ben's fifth. I'm sixth. My boy Dan Nurse is seventh. Um, you're 11th, Cal. Like, there's some real big hitters in that top in that in, in the top echelon. So let's see let's see where we end up at the end of the season. I have been looking at Dan Nurse's team and thinking, well, looking at his position in seventh and thinking. Can I catch him? Can I catch him? He's, 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 he's about, lurking. He's lurking. He's about 50 odd points ahead of me. So mm. it's possible if in a few games, if he has a couple of bad game weeks and I have a couple of strong game weeks, it's possible I can catch him. It mm. is all possible. And you're about 10 points ahead of him, 12 points to be exact. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's definitely interesting. We've got some, uh, some BRB regulars. Um, that are doing quite well. Shout out to Jay as well. Uh, Jay's in third place. Uh, Rashid in fourth. Uh, ben in fifth. So, yeah, a couple of the regulars at the top of the table. Ash doing well in sixth. And, yeah, I think you've got, you got definitely got, got a good chance of getting into that top four, that Champions League spot. Yeah, let's see. Um, I haven't had a very good week so far. So, um, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, myself, this week hasn't been the greatest. Um, like yourself, you know, with the double game weeks, I decided to to try and get a couple of players in. But, you know, we've had games being postponed and stuff. My Ronaldo captaincy hasn't worked out. He needs to hit a hat-trick against Brentford or something to work out for me. I took a minus four to get Salah out and get Ronaldo in. And I also brought in Lucas Moura as well to play in midfield. But his game got um, postponed. So, 
the two players are brought in. on the bench as well. Yeah, the two players are brought in. Both of their double game week fixtures got uh, postponed. And I, I left Gallagher on the bench. He's got nine points. So, and he's not even the first in line in, in case somebody gets injured or doesn't play. He's like third in line. So, he's definitely not going to get to my team. Ah, yeah, not the best game week for me. But um, let's hope it's been better for our listeners, eh? Yeah, for real. Um, but away from the fantasy football and onto the actual football, there's been so much going on recently. Um, you know, the Christmas period is always busy and then we come into January and we have loads of competitions like the FA Cup. Um, and this year we have the African Nations Cup. Um, but just quickly running through the FA Cup. Um, was no surprise with Man City's absolutely smashing Swindon 4-1. Um Leicester had a good win as well, 4-1 at home to Watford. Um, but there was one or two giant killings. Um, Newcastle lost to Cambridge at home. Mm. Big money bags, Newcastle. Um, Chelsea had a good win against Southampton, beating them 5-1. Liverpool beating, I think it's Shrewsbury, 4-1. Um, but then the other giant killing was Arsenal. <sighs> Talk to me about these giant killings, Ash, man. What, what's going on here? I mean, with Moneybags Newcastle, I suppose you can kind of see that their team hasn't improved yet. So these things can happen. And there's no confidence. They're, they're not in form. I suppose, you know, you could go to a, play a team in the FA Cup who's really excited, really, you know, G'd up for the challenge, and you could lose to them. But um, in a team like Arsenal's case, that was a really bad defeat, getting knocked out of the FA Cup away to Nottingham Forest, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's a bad defeat. Obviously, Arsenal have got quite a, ver- like a very strong um, record in the, in the competition. They've won it more than any other club. But I don't know, like it was weird because we had the game on the, on, in the week against Liverpool. And some of the selections for that, we've had players kind of go to African Nations Cup. Um, I was looking at the squad and just thinking to myself, like, mm, like, is the squad really ready to be fighting on three fronts at the moment, considering COVID and everything that's happening? Um, not enough for us, thoroughly deserved it. And we've put in a few type of performances like this. Um, Everton away was a good example of that. Um, obviously, at the start of the season, we, we lost to Brentford, like, this is this is a bit this is part of the Arsenal DNA at the moment. So, um, yeah, I wasn't too surprised by it. I think I think the Cambridge the Cambridge result is the big shock. Like to go to new like we went to a Championship side with a weakened team and they did well, but Cambridge have gone to the Premier League side and done exceptionally well. So, listen, the FA Cup's full of shocks. Like it's it's billed as the, the the cup competition that has the most shocks. So. When these things happen, it's not really a shock anymore. Um, so, yeah, fair play to the team. and just hope they continue to do well in the competition. Shout out to David for slaying Goliath. I always love to see it. That's one thing I like to watch the FA Cup for. I like to see the underdog doing well. I'm, 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 I'm rooting for the giant killing, but not when it's against my team, man. Mm. That was disappointing. But I must say that Forrest played really well and there was a young fullback that they had that absolutely toasted us. Like, he was mm. awesome defensively going forward. Um, Martinelli had no joy against this guy. Mm. And he's young as well, and he's English. So, if I was um, Mikel Arteta, I would be having my scouts watch this guy. I'd be trying to figure out what's going on with his contract situation and see if it makes sense to bring him in because, you know, that's a position where... Who do we have? We have Tommy Yasu, but after that, it's all up in the air, really, about who, who our next right back is. You know, we've got solid fullbacks on the other side with Tierney and Tavash. Maybe we could bring this guy in after he's played so well against us. Maybe it's going to be someone that should be joining us. But that's my two pence on that situation. Anyway, that's mm. the only the only positive I took from that game was was seeing that young fullback and seeing how good he was um, against the Premier League side. Um. If we look at the AFCON, man, there's been so many fixtures. And uh, tell the truth, I haven't really watched a lot of 
African Nations Cup football. I watched Ghana play and then I saw two two highlights and that's about it. Um so if there's any key fixtures that you want to talk about here, Ash. Oh, no, I, I, think, I think again just the just just Ghana is the big uh, worry at the moment. The way it's set up is that if the other two teams draw Ghana are out and as we know for like a number of years that like Ghana have been like one of the powerhouses of African football. Um, their performance in the 2002 World Cup in particular um, really kind of like... 2000, no, the two, 2010 World Cup. 2010 World Cup um, really lit like, like lit things up and it was just an amazing competition. Um, so, yeah, and they still got like some of the old school players as well, like the IU brothers are still kicking about. Obviously, Thomas Partey's playing. Um, like, they should be doing better. But the moment they, they, they lost that first game against Morocco, you kind of put yourself in a position where it becomes very, very difficult. And we saw it with Egypt as well. So Egypt obviously lost their first game against Nigeria, but then came straight back with a 1-0 win. So it means that they've now got their fate in their own hands. So like, there's only three league games um, in the group stages. And when you lose one and you, and you draw one, you literally give yourself the worst possible opportunity to kind of go through your kind of expecting snookers and stuff like that so they may still be able to kind of get through like as like a good third place team but they're really putting themselves under pressure against who they may who they may play next um the one thing i have noticed about the tournament is there hasn't been many goals like cameroon obviously being the home side they've really gone for the jugular and they won their first game 2-1 then they won 4-1 nigeria won um their second game 3-1 but after that there's been there's only been two teams cameroon and nigeria that have scored more than two goals in a game um, and like we said, considering some of the attacking talent and some of the world-class players who are actually at this tournament, you would have thought um, those numbers would have, would be significantly higher so far. Um, so yeah, like I think that the tournament's been it's been it's been good quality. Um, obviously, there's been a couple of issues. Um, there was that massive issue where the referee decided to blow up early, um, just which is absolutely crazy. Um, and the 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 Tunisian players were just completely lost their lost their rag, which is completely right with that. But I think all in all, it's been a it's been a, it's been a good tournament. Um, and yeah, I think it's starting to kind of like bubble up nicely. So by the time we next pod, um, it'll be like the latter stages, and that's where the real excitement and drama will, will be taking place. Well, so far, uh, Vincent Abubakar has emerged as the top goal scorer of the tournament with four goals. Um, and you've got his compatriot, Carl Toko Ikambi, on two goals. So Cameroon are doing quite well in that respect. You would have thought you might see the likes of Sadio Mane, Mo Salah and Aubameyang in amongst, amongst those ranks. But they are nowhere to be seen. Uh, Mane's got one goal. Um, it hasn't really been so good for Salah yet. And um, I scored in the last game. Excuse Scored me. Scored the 1-0. There you go. And um, with Orba, he had a bit of a health concern, didn't he? He had like a, a a bit of a health issue, which I think we were talking before the pod, and I think he said it was related to COVID in the end. Mm. So, um, yeah, best wishes with Orba. Hopefully he gets back to full strength. I was hoping to see him play for Gabon against Garner, but um, that was when I found out uh, that, you know, he had some kind of a health concern. Um, so we wish him all the best. Um on a personal note, I had a little bit of education because I found that there's actually a new African nation. Well, not mm. new, but it's new to me. Um, a country called Comoros in Group C with Ghana, Gabon and Morocco. Um, it's uh, officially supposed to be called the Union of the Comoros, I believe. It's an mm. island country in the Indian Ocean off the eastern coast of Africa. And it has, um, as of 2019, the population... Um, is estimated at around 850,886 residents. So in 2019, it was just under a million residents, excluding Mayotte. Um, which, and I think it's just kind of interesting that a country so small, they said it's, uh, it's Africa's fourth smallest nation by area. So like less than a million people, uh, less than a million of your pool, talent pool to choose from. And let's say half of them are, are women as well. So, and then let's say half of them are not eligible, like, you know, young boys and old men. Like, how many players did they even have to choose from to put this team together? Like, some people that don't even like football and stuff like that. 
Uh, it's just incredible that they've managed to get a team out there that can play. Uh, I don't expect them to win any games against nations like uh, Ghana and Morocco that have players playing in Europe at the highest level. But it's it's just I'm just happy that they're there, man. You, I think what you always got to remember is like that first tournament is huge. It gets you to a stage where it's like, okay, cool. This is what it means to be in a tournament. And then it raises the profile and you know, you get better players. And then the next tournament, you're better for it. Like every tournament, you should be getting better for it. So like you said, it's great to hear this this new nation. And hopefully this isn't just a one-off. We never see them again. We start seeing them more and more tournaments and they become a very familiar name. I think that's really, really important. Shout out to the Union of Comoros. Mm-hmm. On to the Premier League. Um, Everton versus Leicester was postponed. Uh, in the week, Southampton absolutely slapped Brentford. West Ham beat Norwich 2-0. Brighton and uh, Palace was a bit of a one-all ball draw. No, that game was all right, you know. Hey, listen, you see Palace, you see Palace and Brighton. It's probably one of the fiercely, the most fiercely contested derbies that's taken place. The A23 derby, um, and when Gallagher scored. Like the fans really went for it. Like you could you could see it. And then obviously Anderson scored an own goal in the eighty seventh minute. Um but nah that 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 game is every year it's in the Prem, that game seems to add a little bit more to it. Um genuinely I really, really I actually look out for that game. Not just because my uh-huh. friend's a, a Crystal Palace fan, but it actually goes off between the Brighton and the Crystal Palace fans. Right. So, to be fair, yeah, I was, was watching that game and, and I wasn't that excited about it. Serious? That was all right. No, no. I, I mean, Gallagher does play very consistently well. Um, so, you know, shout out to him. And, um, yeah, it is nice to see uh, Vieira doing well. And, it's you know, it's, it's a tough game for both teams because, you know, they both got good managers. They both got good players. Um, but that was kind of like a predictable scoreline for me. Um, so maybe not so exciting, not like a, a 4-1 uh, thrashing of Brentford like what Southampton had. But okay. I'm glad you, you can see the positives in it there. That's what we want to do. We want to focus on the positives. Yeah, um, any thoughts about any of those games there? Uh, Southampton v Brentford, West Ham v Norwich? No, just obviously it was very good for my fantasy team, the Norwich game. Um, Southampton... Yeah, like I think Southampton are a team that have the potential to score some to score a number of goals. Um, obviously, Brentford now play. I will be playing soon, so keeping a real eye out for their next two games, which is Liverpool away and Man United at home. Um, they've got a good amount of points so far, but with so many teams having games in hand, it could very much get them to be dragged into a battle. Um, even though it may not feel like they're really in a bat- in a relegation battle right now, but um, yeah, no, they were all they were all decent games so far. They were all decent games, but I think like we say, and they were kind of just small fry to the big game that took place on Saturday morning. Well, that's the big one, and um, before that, we had a uh, Burnley v Leicester be postponed. So that's two games back to back postponed for Leicester. I don't know their exact situation. Maybe they they've only got. 10 players that can be fielded or something like that, 10 first-team players available. Well, I don't know what the specifics are, but things are not looking good for them at the moment. Um, If you want to talk about Man City and Chelsea, we're obviously talking about the two big dogs in the league. Yeah? Mm. Well, toe-to-toe. If Chelsea won this game, the Premier League title race would have been back on, but they didn't. When you look at that form table, it's just W after W after W for Manchester City. It doesn't matter what position you are on the table, they're getting a dub. What do mm. you make of this one? So, last season, it seemed that Tuchel had a little bit of a handle over uh, Pep. And to the point that even when it came to the Champions League final... I felt that Pep slightly shifted away from what he had been doing successfully to try to combat what Chelsea had done to them. So even at the selection in the final, they didn't play the way they've been playing. Some of the players who 
had been like a big part of the team didn't start. So I remember Rodri didn't start. I think they they brought in Zinchenko for that final. There were just a couple of things. I think Sterling started after not starting for a number of games. There were two or three changes that just didn't really kind of like make sense. Whereas this time, Pep kind of said, I'm doing my thing. So even down to kind of like not starting Diaz, which everyone would have thought, right, like Diaz in the biggest game of the season, like why is he not starting? Pep said, nah, I'm just going to do what I would normally do, which is just kind of go for it. Now, play Foden in a false nine. Sterling started. Obviously, there's no Mares at the moment. Um, and yeah, just, 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 just a really good game, like a very highly technical game. I felt that Chelsea, especially in the first half, had some real good opportunities to maybe um, take the game a bit more to City. Um, and they didn't quite do it. And I just think the balance, I know Lukaku played and stuff like that, but the balance just did, seemed a little bit off. Um, I was quite surprised that Tuchel didn't play Mason Mount um, just because, like I said, he seems to be like his main go-to guy. And He's actually, in good form. Yeah, it seemed that um, like Tuchel kind of done what Pep did which is kind of slightly overcomplicate things and not just really kind of go for the main team that he could have gone for um, great goal by kind of De Bruyne um, in the sense of not necessarily the finish but the fact of him getting himself into the pocket turning being able to shoot past um, um, Kante and then whipping it the ball didn't go right into the corner um, and I think if you see it again Kepa kind of takes a step across thinking he's going to drill it. And then when he then when he wraps it around the defender, he's in a bit of trouble. But yeah, like just it was a, 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 a real moment of kind of class and ingenuity that has essentially, in my mind, basically won City the title. I think provided they don't lose to Liverpool when they play the next time and there's not like a massive... Um, a massive issue with, with like with their fixtures or the, or, or the fitness of their players. I think Manchester City have won the title with like like with this win because it, it puts them like, I think 14 points ahead of Chelsea on the same amount of games. And I know Liverpool have a game have a couple of games in hand, but they're still like 13, 14 points ahead of them. So yeah, it's just I think I think I think um, on the 15th of January 2022, um, the Premier League champions were crowned. I'm changing my uh, prediction to Manchester City to win. <laughs> that was my initial prediction. When I saw what Chelsea were on, I thought differently. But yeah. No. Well, yeah, I mean, if you could change, I could change. So this is my, this is my, <laughs> my, my, my switch up time now. I'm, I'm going for Manchester City to win. But um, this, uh, this, this goal was, was absolutely quality, though. Kevin De Bruyne, what a finish. And uh, it was really nice from an FPL point of view to get those assist points from Anakin Sheep, from Jao Cancelo. Um, you mentioned Lukaku earlier playing well that one chance comes to mind where mm. he could have taken a shot he could have slipped it to Alonso on the left he tried to play in Pulisic and he was offside it was just like an absolute mess that could have changed everything if that went mm. in but wasn't to be I, I do like the um, the fact that this young Saar keeps getting games yeah um, I think Malang Saar looks like a very decent young player. I do like a left footer as well. Could be another quality left footer coming into the Premier League to uh, to take centre stage right there. Um, they've got things to build on, but in terms of winning the league, it, it looks it just never ceases to amaze me that this City team can keep grinding at victories without a strike. Like as far as I know, Jesus is fit and well, and he came off the bench. But he just doesn't start. Like Pep prefers mm. to actually play a midfielder and play a false nine. And then, you know, if anything, later on in the game when the opposition's tired, he'll bring Jesus off the bench for a bit more direct running. Um, which will just, you know, put the team under pressure even more, really. But yeah. it's a fair play to him. They're, they're playing well. And they could have scored more. Grealish could have scored. Um, Foden could have scored. This could have been a, a battering. The score could have been like yeah. three, four nil. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It could have really have been that. <laughs> like, it really could have been that. Just, wow, they're just absolutely amazing. Shout out to see. Um, Newcastle won. Watford won. So this was a game I was, I was quite interested in to see what was going to happen because you've got um, the guy who should have been in the African Nations Cup, 
uh, Dennis, who's been in good form. So I yeah. just wanted to see how he would play to see if like he was like throwing the toys out of the pram because he didn't get to go to Afcon or whatever. Uh, but it didn't look like it affected him. Um, and then you've also got um, the new signing for Newcastle, Chris Wood, and the experienced English international Kieran Trippier. So two new signings for Newcastle, both of them coming straight into the team. We say Nash. Are they looking like they're going to help Newcastle stay up this season? Um, this is a really tough one. I think Kieran Trippier is a definite upgrade. Chris Wood, I don't understand that signing. Um, I know you want a target man. I know I think he scored like double figures for a number of seasons. Um, at Burnley, but I just don't, I just don't think he's that guy. If I'm honest, he's not someone who I would sit down and be like, yeah, I really wanna, I really wanna like go for as such. Um, I could be wrong. He could, he could end up doing very, very well. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I don't, I, I just, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like they, they could have done other business. Um. I know they do have some issues in terms of their front line and Callum Wilson's injured at the moment but I just think where Newcastle are at at the moment is is Chris Wood really the solution? I, I, I struggle with that um, they needed to win yesterday they've, they've only won one game all season, lots of draws, I think nine draws, they've only lost eight games which isn't that much but draws draws kill you in this league like I'd rather lose, I'd rather lose eleven games, and only have one draw because those wins, with it being two more points for a win, it can really shoot up the table. Um, and the issue with them as well is they're drawing with the teams around them. So what happens with that is it means that teams like Watford, if 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 if, if Newcastle had won. that gives that takes a point away from Watford and gives them two more points on top of them. But by drawing, you actually lose out not just on the not just on the two points, but actually a third point from your rivals. Does that make sense? Mm. So, um, yeah, they drew. I think they drew with was it Norwich. They've just they've just drawn like so many silly silly games, and you're just looking at it like oh, that's another. It's like another game where like you should have done a bit better, or like another game where it's just like mm, that's that's not it. Like another game where it's just like oh gosh like. Good points have just gone down, gone down the drain, and again, just look like it's just, it's just. I'm just looking at the results now. They drew with Brighton. They drew. They drawn with Palace. Drawn with Watford again. They drew with. They drew with Leeds. Drew with Southampton. Like all of their draws have just been around the teams that like drew three three with Brentford. All their draws except for the United game are teams that are close to them. Like if they could have just like won a couple of those games, it completely gives them a different look. Um, and even looking at their fixtures coming up, um, Newcastle fixtures coming up, they're not. They're okay. They got Leeds away, Everton at home, Villa Villa at home, um, West Ham away, um, Brighton sorry Brentford away, and Brighton at home. Like they have to have to win at least three of those games. Have to if they want to stay up. And is Chris Wood and Kieran Trippier the kind of people to fight him to do that? We'll find out very soon. We shall. Absolutely fantastic goal from Alain St. Maximan. Mm. So if the if the new signings don't, he's definitely going to do his best to. And uh, oh man, I just I just every time I see him play, I just think this guy is absolute quality. He could be playing at a higher level. Mm. I, I'm jealous man. I wish he was at Arsenal man I think he's absolutely brilliant I'd love him at Arsenal man Alain St. Maximum what a goal that was um, so coming towards the end of the uh, the, fi- the Premier League fixtures um, we've got Norwich 2 versus Everton 1 Everton when they made themselves a new signing guy that used to play for Villa um, mm. would, you, would you make of that one, Ash? I, I didn't actually see that coming, but sometimes these transfers are like that, aren't they? They're kind of like a little bit quiet, and then you just hear the news, and you're like, "Wow, where did that come?" From? 
Yeah, I mean, Ogazi scored double figures last year in the Premier League. Um, quite a few penalties. Um, Villa had a good season. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a player who, like, on his day, he can cause players, he can cause people a lot of a, a lot of trouble. But I don't know. It doesn't really make sense because they've got you've got Gray already. You've got Townsend. You've now got El Ghazi. You've got Calvert Lewin. You've got Richarlison. Gordon's been quite good for you wide as well. It's almost, almost like, did you really need another one? Did you need another? Did you need another winger? I, I don't, I don't think they did, but, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out um, for them. Um, Everton need to, Everton need a win very, very soon, and I think Rafa, there's some rumours and some rumbling saying that he might, um, he might be about to, 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 to depart Goodison Park, which really? would be quite a shock. Um, but then at some point it's not really a shock because when you've got a successful Liverpool manager going across the town to become the, the manager of Everton, it's not going to take much for the crowd to, 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 to shift and turn on him. So, so yeah. Well, there is a bit of a situation with uh, Lucas Dean, isn't there? Or Dean, I've mm. never known how to say his name properly. Mm. Uh, you could say Digny if you want. <laughs> yeah, look at Dean. Um, so... I know he was a beloved character at Everton, and in terms of FPO, he's always been a player that a lot of people have on their team. He generally has a lot of points at the end of the season. Um, so for him to leave Everton was a bit of a surprise, and it's happened under Benitez's tenure. So it makes you think maybe there was some kind of a bust up, some kind of a disagreement between player and manager, and managers forced him out. And you know, and he's come out and he's made some sort of a statement, hasn't he? He's not happy that mm. he's had to leave. Um, so he published it on his Instagram. Um, if you guys want to check out the um, the document we put out with uh, with all of the links, you can read all about that later. There's um, some articles from the uh, the Birmingham Mail and uh, and other sources where you can read about what's going on there. But um, do you think do you think this is a, a, a much of a talking point or or a bit of a nothing kind of thing? Just a salty player leaving the club, just having a bit of a of a shot. Yeah, it happens. It happens. But like I said, um, the management of the management of like the player hasn't been the greatest, and he's been available for a while, but hasn't been playing when they've needed players to play. So there's there's been a lot going on with that situation, and as a result, you just have to just players will always some players will just leave quietly, just be like, is what it is, keep it moving. Some people want to say something, so yeah, he's obviously said it. We, we like, essentially we move now, man. Like he's moved on. Um, it's a good fullback, um, and yeah, I think he can be he can be a particularly good signing for for his new club. Yeah, I mean he's a good player. Twenty five million they got for him, so everybody knows he's a good player. As soon as he came on the market, Gerard said, "I'll snap him out right mm. very much." I think Definitely. Chelsea were linked with him as well. Yeah, Chelsea need a fullback as well. They've had one or two injuries. Um, and you know, uh, this article in Liverpool Echo kind of quotes uh, his Instagram post uh, where he's thanked the Everton fans. Um, but then he's got this little cryptic message where he says, sometimes it only takes one person from outside to destroy a beautiful love affair. Um, and then on the post, you had other Everton players jumping on and, and kind of wishing him luck. Um, but then you had another salty ex-Everton player, Bernard who uh, who chimes in with something like, uh, well, it's in quote marks here, perhaps not everyone understands what goes on behind the scenes. I love Everton as you do too, but unfortunately there are people who don't want the same goal as most. So it's just like, yo, some, something's that Maybe it might not be Benitez. Maybe, you know, because I don't know exactly when he was pushed out. I think he was pushed out or he left the club a while ago, didn't he? Um Bernard. I always thought he was decent, but maybe not mm. the most amazing player in the world. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, there you go, man. So, little bit of a controversy there going on uh, at Everton, and they didn't get the win against Norwich, which they desperately needed. Are they in trouble now? Are they are they going to get pulled into this relegation scrap? They're they're in fifteenth place on nineteen points, leads behind them same amount of points, and then. You've got Watford on 14, Norwich on 13, Newcastle on 12, Burnley on 11. So, you, just, you know, 
if Watford win their next game, that takes them to 17 points. That puts a little pressure on Everton and Leeds, doesn't it? Well, earlier on I spoke about Brentford being potentially pulled back into it and Brentford had more points than Everton. So 100% they're involved in it. Like, until you string a couple of games, um, results together, a couple of wins, and you're able to move up the table, then then everyone's involved. Because what you've got to factor in is it's not like everyone's played the same amount of games this year. Like I think Burnley have only played 17 games. So that's like that's five that's five games in hand over a few teams, and they're not even going to play again until Burnley are not going to play again until Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and who even knows if that game's going to take place? So Burnley are just going to have like just so many like games to catch up on very very soon. So mm. the one thing I don't understand though is all of these teams don't have enough players to play Premier League games, but yet they all completed their FA Cup games. It's very strange. Very strange. Hmm. There wasn't there wasn't a single there wasn't a single FA Cup game that was cancelled. But yet all of a sudden all these Premier League games have been cancelled. After thought about Everton, fantastic goal from Rick Charlie's son uh against Norwich. Little overhead kick bit of Brazilian flair there. And he's mm. been out injured for a while. Dominic Calvert Lewin's been out injured for a while. Could it maybe be that, you know, and Benitez has been playing um, uh, the young guy, the young defender as a fullback, hasn't he? Um, mm. The guy who kind of looks like a centre-back, but he's been playing, he's been playing fullback. Oh, Godfrey. Godfrey, there you go. So it could just be that maybe Godfrey's a better defender than Lucas Dean. Um, and so Benitez prefers him. And the money that you could get for Lucas Dean, you could get another attacker in because obviously your, your, your strikers have been injured and you're, you're lacking in goals. So you're bringing in El Ghazi, who, like you said, it does quite well, scored like 10-odd goals last season. Maybe it's just as simple as that. Maybe the goals will help to fire Everton up the team. Now that Richarlison's back, when DCL comes back, and then you've got El Ghazi in competition for places on the wing, maybe that's what uh, someone like Leon Bailey needs, a little kick up the backside, a bit of competition to, to help him raise his game and to keep Townsend on his toes as well. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, potentially. Could work out. It could work. I think Benitez is a good coach, so I'm hoping that one does work out for them. Um, Wolves three, Southampton one. Um, that's a game that I didn't watch. Didn't even watch the highlights or nothing. Um, but apparently, uh, the Beckham region scored a, a, a fantastic free kick. Um, yeah, that was a top free kick actually. Go on. That was a top, top, top free kick. That's what that's what he does, man. James Ward Prowse, J Dub. Puts the ball in the back of the net from set pieces. Um, but it wasn't enough. I mean, uh, they've been playing really good. Roadman Ralph's team had been picking up some results. But when they came across Wolves, that was the end of their two-game. No, it's like a four-game unbeaten run that they went on. Three wins in their last four. Um, but it's actually four wins out of five for Wolves now. And just the one draw. So... They're doing really well. And that includes a, a victory over Manchester United. Mm. So, yeah, you probably don't want to play Wolves <coughs> right now. Mm. Um, Aston Villa 2, Manchester United 2. Yeah, it's great English. game. Great game. Um, I knew this was going to happen. We'll go back to fantasy now. So, I looked <laughs> at Bruno Fernandes and I said, eventually he's going to start playing well. He's going to at least start scoring. And I saw it in the game against Aston Villa in the FA Cup. He seemed to be like showing a few signs that he was kind of coming back to, to what we know about him. And in that game, they started with Cavani up front and Bruno Fernandes as, as the 10, right? Now, at the start of the season when Ronaldo came, I had a big theory to say that Ronaldo will be... Ronaldo will st- like statistically will do well in the league, but will be a bit of a vacuum for other players in the team. And I've seen what he did at Juve, but I also saw what happened with Portugal. And I realised that Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo, as much as they're kind of like good players, you kind of can't play with both of them. So when I saw Bruno Fernandes score, and a very fortuitous first goal, very fortuitous first goal, um, but when I looked at his stats this season, Bruno Fernandes, he started the season with a with a hat trick against Leeds. 
um, couple of assists, but his form just, just went off a cliff. As soon as Ronaldo came, his form went off of a cliff. And I think in like 20... This is a guy who was scoring lots of goals last season, right? I think in 26 games, he only scored in two of them. But against United, against Villa in the FA Cup, we started to see some green shoots. He scored two yesterday. I think it's going to get to a stage where there needs to be a, a decision between either Ronaldo or Bruno Fernandes in that United team. I don't think you can play with both of them. I don't think you can play with both of them. And um, I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out because personally, I would go with Bruno Fernandes because he's the long-term player who's going to be who's going to be at your club for a lot longer. But you have to respect Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so that's one aspect I want to speak about in that game. The other aspect I want to speak about was Jacob Ramsey, who, again, scored a great goal, set up Coutinho's goal. And yeah, he just looked like a really top talent. And um, I know my friend Triggs, um, who's, a, who's a Villa fan, I know he'll be excited with what's going on there because, like you said, they've, they signed Luca Dean. Um, they've got Coutinho in um, on loan for the rest of the season. They've got they've got they've got some good players, man. They've got some really good players. So yeah, I'll be like Gerard's doing well as a, as a manager. It's exciting times to be a Villa fan. Exciting times. Most definitely. Um, on the point on the topic of Ronaldo and um, Fernandez, I am a little bit disappointed from a personal standpoint that I missed the trick there because I could I when I saw that Ronaldo was injured I did think to myself you know you bring Fernandez in without Ronaldo this could be a time for Fernandez to shine and it's a double game week he's gonna mm. have two games so if he doesn't click in the first one then it might just work in the second one although we don't know that Ronaldo is definitely out for two games mm. um but I just kind of thought I saw somewhere that they expected him to play, like that he was injured, but they were expecting him to be able to play. So I thought Ronaldo might just shrug it off and end up getting the nod. And mm. the way that Manchester United have been playing this season, everything seems to go through him, right? Um, so I just thought, why not? Let's go with Ronaldo. For me, my captain choice was either going to be Dennis or Ronaldo. Both of them were playing two away games. So I just thought, let's go with Ronaldo because he's playing for the bigger team. There's, there's more creative players that will be able to, to create chances for him. Um, and so I'd expect him to be able to score more in two away games than I would expect Dennis to. So that's the way I reasoned it. Um, but back on the actual game itself, yeah, I agree with you. I thought Ramsey and Coutinho looked like they looked like old teammates reunited. They they played together for years. They seemed to have a really good understanding. They they were involved in each other's goals. It's almost like that Haylen connection you get from Saka and Smith Rowe, you know, it was something like that that I was seeing from those guys. And I just thought it was amazing that they could click like that in such a short space of time. Usually when you get a new player and sometimes you see like the, the cohesiveness isn't quite there. Like somebody makes a run and then somebody plays the ball and, and the guy's running in the opposite way that he was, the, the ball player was expecting him to. And then guys, the guy's just waving his hands in the air like, bruv. <laughs> but there was no none of that type of confusion going on. So Gerard's got these guys playing. They're all intelligent players. They're all quality players. And it seemed to me like Man United were going to win this game and, and Villa showed some real fight and character to come back into it and, and get a result, you know? So mm. it, it actually, I think it, it raised a lot of questions for me, man, because it got me thinking... One, with these new signings that Villa have got, I mean, Philip Coutinho is a top quality player, man. The guy's played for Bayern Munich, he's played for Barcelona, he's played for Liverpool, he's won the Champions League, he's won league titles. Like, he's he's a Brazilian, man. Like, plays mm. for the national team. And he's going to Aston Villa. Um, and he's had an immediate impact. So, it just kind of makes me think, like, could he be a catalyst to fire Villa up the table um, if he manages to, to stay fit and, and keep performing on a consistent basis, I'm sure FPL managers will be keeping an eye on him. Mm. And then on the other side, on the flip side of it, this is a game that you would expect Manchester United to go on to win once they're 1-0 up, once they're 2-0 up, 20 minutes to go, like, pff, to come back and draw it. 
are there problems at Manchester United now? Because their their form is patchy since Ragnarok has come in. They didn't get that new manager lift and crack on and and look better and play better. You know they've been struggling. So are Manchester United in trouble, Ash? Mm, I don't know about trouble, but I just think there's um, a real clear sense that they're not they're not performing what they should have been doing. Like again, I think it boils down to just where they were at last season, what they were able to kind of do versus what they were able to kind of do now. So I think last season they went unbeaten for the whole league campaign. They would have turned that into a... If they were 2-0 up, there's no way that a team would have been able to get back into that game. Um, I, just think, I, just, I, just think, I just think United are really unbalanced at the moment. I just don't think there's enough balance. I think, yeah, like, their better players aren't playing well. Um, and yeah, I'm... I'm I'm worried for what they're going to do across the next few weeks. And they've got a really good, they've had like a really good run of fixtures as, as well. Like they're not playing anyone who you'd expect to beat them. So if they're kind of like dropping points and like drawing and losing at home to Wolves now. Draw against Newcastle. Yeah. Feet to Wolves and then draw against. Yeah. Like this is, this is, this, this is, um this is a really good run of fixtures for them. So if they're not doing it now, then when will they ever get when when will they ever do it? Does that make sense? I'm using the word worried because there's mm. seventh in the league. Yeah. Tottenham have got two games in hand in sixth. Yeah. And the team that they have should be capable of challenging for the title. Cristiano Ronaldo, the way Pogba was playing when they had him on the left last season, um, the, the amount of names in that team, Varane coming into the defense, the Hayes actually looked like he stepped his game up again. I'm struggling to find an excuse as to to why they shouldn't be performing. I know we can mm-hmm. see that the cohesion isn't quite there and it's not working, but that's not an excuse. Like the players mm-hmm. that they have, you just brought in a new manager who's a very experienced manager, uh, and he's looking more Farker than Klopp, in my opinion, at this guy Ragnarik. So, like, jury's out for me. Jury's out on Ragnarik, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, from that game, it kind of wraps up our discussion on Premier League results. Um, unfortunately, the Derby game was postponed. I would have loved to, to be talking to Ash about that right now. Um, you know, we, we Arsenal fans love to get one over Spurs. Would have been good, but, you know, uh, Arsenal put in the application and the Premier League said, yeah, you know what, you don't have enough players. It's a little bit of a controversy there because we only had one player with COVID, I think. Um, and under these COVID rules, you're supposed to have a number of players who have COVID before you can request the game to be postponed. But, well, I think that's like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a, you know, like an unwritten rule. Uh, because if you go by the letter of the law, it's a bit different. I think it's just as long as COVID is involved. I think you have to factor in the. I think they factored in the African Nations Cup as well. Yep. So, and I the think, injuries and and players on loan, they just factored it all in. So players on loan is a choice of the club. So that's that's on you, right? Um, and an international tournament isn't on the club, um, and COVID isn't on the club. So I think they stated that there's five or six players who are unavailable due to that. Um, as a result, it means they struggle to fill the quota of stuff. I think um, these things are interesting. So obviously there's been people who have put in like false negative claims as well. So I think Liverpool put in a number of false negative claims. Ooh. There's been a couple of other teams that, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they Sorry, do that. you mean false positives? Sorry, yeah, false, yeah, false positives, sorry. Um, and they kind of got picked up for that. I think, I think it's got to a stage now where clubs, and it's, it's that, it's that everything, like, Clubs will use whatever they can to seemingly do what they need to kind of do. And do I believe the North London derby should have been cancelled? Probably not, if I'm honest. Um, I think there's been a lot of games that have been cancelled for COVID that shouldn't have been cancelled. And I feel like if they actually just went ahead and done it, then like I said, like you've got you've got like academies, you've got all of these kinds of things. Like yeah, you want to see the best players on the pitch, but isn't this why isn't this why we have like young talent waiting in the wings playing youth games playing like under 21s matches like 
you want to give them a you want to give them a go you want to give them a game you want you want them to have a that that moment to who knows who knows what could have happened if like one of the youngsters scores the winner in the North London derby like like you're make, do you see what I'm saying you're you're making heroes you're making heroes and I just feel like for some of the games not all not all some of the games they definitely could have taken place um but I feel like once once a couple of clubs get the benefit of having a game re- like replayed then every club's going to want to look to it and be like oh well if they've done it then why can't we or how can we use this to like, our advantage so I feel like some something that maybe started as a very kind of like pure act of not having enough players and having like having to shut like training grounds down and stuff like that has now turned into something else mm. and um this loan situation, me personally, just to just to add one last thing onto the Arsenal point, I do think uh, um, it's disappointing the lack of preparation for this transfer window from mm. Arsenal. I don't know if it's Arteta or if it's Edu or if it's both of them showing a bit of inexperience here in, in their transfer operations. But I mean, we all knew the African Nations Cup was coming. Mm. You decided to to send Ainsley Maitland Niles on loan. <coughs> now you've had to go and bring back Miguel Aziz from loan to as cover. We've already got someone like Guendouzia on loan who might have a, a permanent arrangement where it's like a loan um, with an option to buy at the end of it. Maybe you can't bring him back. Fair enough, but it just it, it's a bit of a it, it's a bit shocking for me to be honest. I'm a bit mm. disappointed. Um, I mean, we've still got time to bring players in, but I just think this is a scenario where we should have been thinking Thomas Partey and Mohamed Elneny are going to the African Nations Cup. How are we going to replace them? Let's play Ainsley Maitland. I actually thought that was the plan. Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Sambi Lakonga as backup to Momo and Partey. Mm. But to have two of them go and then to send Ainsley out on loan, and it's like now you got to play a young 18-year-old Patino. It's not really fair on him to, to have to carry that burden. So now you're going to have to bring back Miguel Aziz. And it's like, what? I mean, we, fair enough, we might be able to talk that. I'm not going to get into the gossip, but there's a lot of transfer talk that we, we might be after this player and after that player. But we mm. should have got players in confirmed first before we let Ainsley out on loan. I know there's, you know, the issue of Ainsley saying on social media that he wanted to leave and then we ended up cancelling his transfer to Everton. So maybe there's a bit of a disciplinary thing going on there where like now you're going to sit on the bench, you're going to train the kids for being insolent or something and then we're just going to ship you out at the nearest opportunity. Um, and maybe we don't want you to play for a Premier League rival. We want to send you overseas or something. I don't know. Maybe there's some politics going on there. I don't know. But it just looks bad and we needed him. Like We actually need his qualities right now. So I'm a bit mm. upset about that. Um, on the Tottenham standpoint, I don't think things have been going too well for Conte, man. I don't think things have been going too well. Although I don't feel too sorry for them being Spurs. I do think they will get things together eventually. But um, just as of late, I don't think their results have been that great. I mean, they've played some mixed fixtures you know a defeat to Chelsea is you know you, you can't blame him for that um, but I would I would have liked to see how we did against them um, but with this Covid time with us not having players available and everything maybe it's a blessing in disguise that this game has been postponed hmm. um, yeah we'll see so Liverpool versus Brentford routine win routine win for Liverpool should should be should be Brentford aren't aren't looking the best right now. Um, Mo Salah away at the African Nations Cup. I think you uh, you had a little story about Salah in here somewhere, didn't you? Actually, we've got, we've got yeah, just saying how like um, he's he's due a contract renewal, um, and he just sits. She said he's not asking for anything that's outlandish. Like he's one of the best players in the world. He's been huge for Liverpool like he's already at, like again he's at the top of the goal scoring charts he's scoring exceptional goals I actually think he's playing a lot better than he has done over the last couple of years because I think he started to factor in a little bit more selflessness in his play like he's got 
quite a number of assists this season and even now he's looking for his players a bit more than he was previously um but yeah i think um there's been a lot of talk about this 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 contract for him like this is this is the contract for Mo Salah um and if Liverpool don't give it to him, I'm sure the likes of PSG or or I was going to say Barcelona, but they're broke. Um, Real Madrid will probably find some money for it. Like There's teams that will find the money for Mo Salah. So as a result, it's kind of like Liverpool need to just think to themselves, we've got the jewel. How, how do we keep him? And I think he just wants to ensure that he's paid to the highest standard possible, considering that he is one of the best players in the world. I think it's, it's a simple one. From a fan's perspective, you think, look, whoever the highest paid player in the world is, offer Mo Salah the same and he should sign it. If he doesn't sign it, now you're going to have to negotiate. Maybe you got to pay him a bit more in it and make him the most highest paid player in the world. As an agent, if I was representing him, I'll be saying he should be the highest paid player in the world. And that's how I'll be trying to negotiate. Mm. But uh, from the club's perspective, they obviously don't want to spend any unnecessary money that they don't have to. <laughs> so that's probably why these these contract negotiations are dragging out. But I think it's clear that Mohamed Salah loves Liverpool. It, it, it's been the best time of his life being there. They've they've made him. Klopp has made him into the player that he is today. Um, he's had to do the work though, hasn't he? And he's certainly produced mm. the goods, cracked on, and become arguably the best player in the world right now. So I think he should be paid accordingly. Man. I think I think that will just get sorted out. It's just maritime. Um, West Ham versus Leeds. David Moyes. They used to call him David Moist, but they're not making jokes about him anymore, are they? Team is absolutely flying. Fourth in the league. Champions League West Ham. Imagine that. Nobody would have thought that a while ago. Playing against the Leeds team who are struggling. Um, but Leeds have had their... Oh my God, just look at the form and I'm just seeing reds for Leeds. Four yeah. defeats out of their last five games. The only yeah. win came against Burnley. But, you know, 16th in the table, relegation threatened. But their players are coming back. Um, you know, Rafinha's still there. Um, Bamford is back now. Uh, it's, it's not going to be an easy one for West Ham at home, even though they're in the great, greatest form right now, West Ham. Um, it, it, it's not going to be easy, is it? Nah, they... Um, <clears throat> looking at Leeds' games as well, they've they got Newcastle at home next week, which is huge. Um, and they got Villa away and Everton away. So they've got, they've got some tough games coming up. I think... Just for, I think... Um, West Ham are really trying to push on and with the North London Derby being postponed, if they were able to 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 repeat their win from last week in the FA Cup, they would really be cementing their, 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 their place in the race for the top four. Um, I think they will win. I know my dad's going to hear this and be like, no, don't say that, son. I think, I think they will win. But I think Leeds will be fine. And I think that's the most important thing. I think two things are going to be okay. West Ham are going to continue to ruffle some feathers and Leeds will win enough games to stay up in the Premier League this season. So, so yeah. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. There you go. So, that concludes our results and fixtures. Um, there's a couple of fixtures on in the week uh, in the uh, the old FPL double game week you might think about. Um, so, FPL managers will have their eyes on uh, Burnley versus Watford. Um Brighton versus Chelsea, Brentford v Man United, and also Leicester v Tottenham. Will that get played, or will Leicester have mm. another game called off three in a row? It might be they're on a hat trick, so you know. I'm not gonna lie, it's crazy. You know that when you try and look at um, like when games are gonna be rescheduled, there's gonna be so many double game weeks coming up. Um, because I'm just looking at it right now, so like Leicester have. Like so many games, let's have like four games that are yet to be scheduled. <laughs> like it's really no something crazy is gonna happen. They're, they're gonna end up with like three games in one week where they've got like one day rest in between them. It's gonna. Well, what's gonna happen is they're gonna have a run of double game weeks. So like, let's say for instance Vardy's out at the moment, right? Let's say in March Vardy's back fit, and Leicester have four games in two days. It's four games in two weeks. 
oh Vardy captain Vardy <laughs> like it's it's there's going to be some real spike of scores coming up so yeah I'm um, really looking forward to we'll see how that works we had a little chat about uh, Vardy before we recorded so mm. uh with him being on his last legs, you know, uh, injury prone and all of that, I'm not so sure if he will be able to play so many mm. games in such a short space of time. Uh, but we'll see. Um, last couple of news stories that we can maybe talk about. There's, there's, there's one here about COVID in Scotland, Ash. What is that all about, mate? Yeah, it's just, it was really weird. So Scotland's up the road, isn't it? Like, let's not pretend. But their laws are very, very different. Um, so people weren't allowed to attend games in Scotland um, at that stage but I was saying to myself like it's, it's nuts that we had Newcastle will have like 50,000 people and an out and take a train for one hour Scotland I'm not going to have anyone but they've reopened back up the the, the stuff for games um, and yeah it just I suppose it just kind of shows just how crazy the situation is that somewhere that's just up the road could not have games but in England, we had we had games going on, and people travelling to some multiple games as well. So yeah, strange times, strange times. Very strange indeed. Um, uh, what's this thing about uh, Ericsson? I can't actually find the link. My bad. Something about uh, so Christian Ericsson, who um, obviously earlier earlier on, I need stop saying obviously. Um, Christian Ericsson, who at the start of the year was um, fully fit, no worries. Then we had the Euros and he collapsed due to um, kind of a, a heart-related in- incident. Um, mm. It's a targeting... See, uh, story we've got in the Guardian here. Yeah. yeah, he's targeting the 2022 World Cup to be available and to be able to be picked for Denmark, um, which would be a, a miraculous recovery considering... The last time we saw him, he was being um, lifted off and taken to uh, an emergency unit to um, to be kind of like revived and to be um, supported in his in his health. Um, so it'd be a great it'd be great to see him back playing, but again, only if it's right and only if he's really fit enough and well enough to do that. I mean. I wish him all the best of luck, man. In recent times, we've seen a lot of health issues. We've seen Sergio Aguero with a health issue, seeing mm-hmm. Ericsson drop down on the pitch in a major tournament like that. That was, that was really something, man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hearing about Aubameyang with a bit of a heart issue related to COVID, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's scary stuff. And these guys are like elite athletes. They're really fit and, and mm-hmm. healthy. So when you hear about them having health problems, it just it's, it really kind of just makes you think, man. Um, you need to look after yourself, uh, and I hope he can look after himself. I wish him all the best. I'm sure we'd all love to see him playing in national football again because this guy is a quality player, man. Mm. So we all want to see him do his thing again, and and yeah, I hope it happens, man. Big up. Yeah, top talent. Um, last story. Um, Ash is on a roll here. Three consecutive stories in a row. Bang, bang, bang. BBC, Guardian, all these top sources and everything. And uh, back to the BBC over again with Alfonso Davies, the Bayern Munich defender, being diagnosed with mild myocarditis. Talk to me, Ash. Yeah, so again, someone who has recently had COVID, um, there's a slight... Um, inflammation of the heart which has affected his ability to train it was picked up very very quickly and he's going to be taken out of the main training for a, for a few weeks to monitor him um, so it seems like the effects of COVID-19 um, especially for even like elite football players is having a bit of a, lo- a longer lasting effect so I think the message to me is to everyone if you've had COVID you're around COVID and you don't feel great, get yourself checked out as soon as possible because what you don't want to do is just think, ah, oh, it's, it's nothing. Um, oh, I'll be fine. And then before you know it, you're actually struggling and really, really um, in a, in a, in a um, precarious position. So please, 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 if you do feel anything, you've had COVID and you do do any exercise or strenuous activities, please be very, very mindful of your health. 
So in this article, it says here that nine Bayern players tested positive at the start of January after time away following their winter break that they have over in the Bundesliga. Mm -hmm. On 5th of January, Bayern said Davis was doing well, in inverted commas, after testing positive for COVID. And they also go on to say that myocarditis isn't too dramatic based on the ultrasound, but more simply signs of an inflammation. Nevertheless, Mm -hmm. it needs to heal and that will no doubt take some time. And that comes mm. from his manager, Nagelsmann. So maybe it, it sounds serious. As soon as you start saying mm. heart problems and he's only 21 years old, you think, oh, a young man like that shouldn't be having any type of heart mm. problem like that. Uh, but, you know, he says it's not too dramatic. Um, inflammation, maybe just give him some time and he'll be all right. And that's, that's what we want, man. We want everyone to do well. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, everybody do well. Keep yourself safe. Look after yourselves. We're about to sign out. Uh, any any last words you want to sign off with, Ash? Nah, just how quickly January's gone. <laughs> First two weeks of January have actually flown by. So we'll see you guys again before the end of the month. Um, you get three pods from us this month. So um, lucky you. And yeah, just keep looking after yourselves and keep looking after your loved ones. You know what, Ash? There's one thing all the YouTubers have been saying, and I've been dying to say it. Go on. I'll see you on the next one. Peace.